welcome to another of the Retire Notes podcast series. I'm Bruce Manners, the author of Retirement Ready and founder of the RetireNotes.com website. Today I'm in conversation with Paul Borges. Paul is a couples counsellor and lecturer in counselling at Avondale University College. The topic is conversations that can help couples prepare for retirement. Thanks for your time, Paul. My pleasure, Bruce. When should couples actually start talking about retirement? How far out from retirement? I think the key thing to remember here, Bruce, is that decisions about retirement are often major decisions, and they're not small decisions. Generally, they're big decisions that take some time to plan for. It isn't just about deciding, are we eating this for lunch or are we having that for lunch? They're usually decisions that take some change, some rearranging, some maybe changing of financial plans, of saving in a particular way. So I think because retirement is about dreaming together, that process of dreaming hopefully is happening right through the marriage okay but as we get closer to retirement maybe seven to ten years away there should be then some specific conversations i think okay seven to ten years yeah yeah i would say seven to ten years with phrases such as when we retire or when i retire i would like to or when we retire Wouldn't it be great if we could? And these are a little bit like fishing in a sense. We sort of throw it out there and see how our partner responds to it. And if our partner has a look of horror, but it's something we really want to do, then obviously there's room for conversation. It sounds like a sign, yes. (laughs) Yes, that would be a sign that this may not happen, at least not for us as a couple. Yeah. So I think those sort of comments where a person kind of dreams out loud, I think is the way that I would put it. Yeah. When I retire, I would love to. Maybe we could do this when we retire. Maybe we could buy an RV. Maybe we could travel around Australia. Maybe we could go off and do some volunteering overseas. You know, those sort of things to see what the reaction of our partner is and to see if there is some commonality here in the dreaming. That makes sense. Let me throw some topics at you and ask you how best to talk about them. Let's start with money, which is kind of a key focus. How could you start talking about money in retirement? I think there's probably two ways that people do these sort of discussions, and it depends partly on how they run their marriage. Some people have lots of deep and meaningfuls, and they're always having deep and meaningful conversations. Mm. Many other couples don't have those and keep the conversation on a much more superficial level, and much of their communication is more at a cliche and sharing facts type of level, and so they probably do need to plan to have these deeper conversations. While people who regularly talk about all sorts of things and share their mind and their heart more freely with each other, it's probably going to happen spontaneously. Sure. I think when it comes to issues like money, I don't think it matters whether that comes up spontaneously or whether people plan to talk about it as long as it happens. I think not to talk about how are we going to survive financially and what are your expectations and what are mine, I think is really setting ourselves up for some real challenges and problems in the future. Is talking about money difficult for some couples? Yeah, I think so. My experience as a couples counsellor is there's usually one person who's really tight with money and the other person who is not as tight. Now, sometimes that can be the extreme end of the spectrum sure. where one person doesn't want to spend anything they don't have to and the other person spends willy-nilly or they can be closer in on the spectrum but rarely are both people exactly the same. Usually one person is a little more happy to spend than the other and thus, because of those differences, I think what happens is we can feel quite threatened in those conversations because our partner probably does money a little bit differently than how we do. 
Yeah. Okay, what about when to retire? What needs to be talked through here? Yeah, there are some experts in the field who really believe that it's best for people to retire together if possible, and it certainly is in some way easier. You don't have the issue of, well, you're sitting at home all day while I'm still at work, so therefore you ought to do absolutely everything in the house and make the person feel like they are a maid. Yes. However, some of the challenges in that is if you have an age difference between a couple. Sure. You know, one person is 10 years older than the other probably the older person is going to retire first. So while it might be ideal to retire together, it's not always realistic. It may also be that one person has an attitude towards their job that says, I can take it or leave it. I'm happy not to do it. I don't mind doing it, but I'm also happy to give it away while the other person may feel very passionate about their job and still have unfulfilled work goals. Yeah, I came across a statistic the other day that says only 20% of couples retire together. Oh, really? Okay, interesting. Yeah, we assume that most people kind of pull the plug at the same time. Actually, I came across a couple a couple of weeks ago, a couple of Sundays ago, actually. He's been retired for five years and she's still working from home, not full time. The good thing for him, he backs onto a golf course, he plays golf every morning. <laughs> so his work is playing golf. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's what keeps him busy and what gives him meaning. I, I think it depends a lot as to whether we're still getting meaning out of what we're doing. If it's just something we're doing in order to bring in the dollars, that can become pretty wearisome as you're getting into your early 70s. But if you're still working with passion, I have a supervisor for my work as a counsellor who is 80 years of age and still sees clients three or four days a week and he doesn't even keep the money, it actually goes into a charity. So when I go for my supervision, I make a payment to the charity that he supports. So he does it purely out of love. He does it because he just loves doing it. Because he wants to, yeah. Because he loves doing it. And so for him not to do that would be giving up a heck of a lot because he'd be giving up something that for him is still so meaningful and adds so much to his life. Yeah. Okay, the discussion about where to live. I mean, it could be tricky because she wants to live near the grandkids and he wants to live near the beach. How do you tackle that one? We need to remember that while moving just to be close to children and grandchildren is attractive, we have to remember that children can uproot and move. And then we may be left stuck somewhere that we moved to only because we wanted to be close to the kids. And we can't expect our kids to simply stay somewhere because we're there. That's really not fair on them. So I think there's a couple of considerations. One is where are our friends? The older we get, the more I think we rely on our friends, the more meaningful our friends become, particularly once we're retired. We're looking for people to do things with socially during the week. We also know that that is such an important preventative measure for mental health. Depression, for example, we know that people who don't have good social networks have some of the strongest risk factors that we know for developing depression. I think it's really important to be where our friends are. It's also really important for us to live somewhere where we enjoy the environment. What are the topics that couples find difficult to talk about? I think one of the things that couples find difficult to talk about is around end-of-life discussions. Okay. If I suddenly die, what kinds of things should you know that will make your life a bit more manageable? For example, if I am looking after most of the finances and the insurance and the life insurance, what happens if I suddenly drop off the perch? Does my wife know where all the documents are? Does she know where to access that? What insurance companies she needs to contact? 
that probably that sort of stuff, all that information should be put together in a document by the couple and held somewhere in a filing cabinet where it can be accessed if one partner dies. That's called planning ahead, I guess. I think that's planning ahead. And I think one of the things that we do with our own mortality, for example, we deal with it through avoidance. But actually talking about and talking about the reality that the chances are one of us will die first and the other has to keep going and we would want our partner to have life as manageable as possible. There is enough emotional stuff going on when our partner dies that for us then to have no idea how we need to manage things and if there are shares somewhere that have to be sorted out or sold or redeemed or you know all of the details of the finances or other things, the practical things around the house for our partner then suddenly be left with all that and not have a clue about any of that seems somewhat unfair. Sure. So what's better, to put time aside to talk or to take a casual approach, just take an opportunity to bring it up every now and again? Is there a best way? Yeah, I don't think so. I think it depends on how the couple function. Yes. Some couples talk constantly about everything and others don't have that type of relationship and not because they don't have a good marriage, it's just a different marriage. They talk about things as they need to. And those type of couples who talk about those sort of things when they need to probably need to plan the discussion and need to say, look, there are some things that we just need to sort out. It's important for us to make sure our will is up to date. It's important for me to make sure that you know all of this and I need to ask you some questions about the things that you know about and that you manage in the house. I think it's being realistic rather than just pretending that we will both die of simultaneous heart attacks at the age of 99. That doesn't happen for a lot of people. I think we could say for most people that doesn't happen. For most people that doesn't happen, as pleasant as that sounds. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what if there are tensions in the relationship? Not enough to call for the breakdown of the marriage, just tensions. Um, how do they plan together? There are some people whose marriage isn't great when they retire, but they're probably not going to break up because it's been that way for a long time and it's a homesthetic pattern and they've learned how to deal with it and they have learned how not to kill each other. Yes, that's a good good way to go, actually. <laughs> so, so, so when it comes to how to plan for retirement, I think there are a few things that are really important here. One is how do we focus on the good? How do we speak to the very best in the other person? They are still together, so something is working. Something is still functional. We need to practice giving affirmation. The research tells us there should be five positive affirmative statements for every one negative statement in a relationship. I think if we practice some of that, we've got a better chance of being able to negotiate through the tricky issues involved with retirement. So you're saying one of the first things is to treat each other with more respect more positives than negatives, that kind of thing. Certainly, certainly treat each other with respect and look for the good. And sometimes we may have got out of the habit of looking for the good. And some of us by nature may look for the negative and the bad. And it's about changing our thinking and going, okay, if I was to look for the good in that person, what might be there? What could I actually focus on? Mm -hmm. So if you were to sum up your advice for couples preparing for retirement, what would it be? I think it would be make sure that the discussions happen, do them well in advance because some things need to be put into place years in advance. Sure. Work out detail, resist the temptation of avoiding discussions because they could take energy or produce conflict because avoidance is only ever a short-term strategy, it's never a long-term strategy. Sure. 
And don't forget to talk about what happens if you drop off the perch, or both of you drop off the perch. Death doesn't go away simply by not talking about it. Yes, it really is about keeping the conversation going. Very much so. Yeah. Hey, thank you, Paul, and thanks to you for listening to this RetiredOats.com podcast. <laughs>